This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 462 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, May 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, we're talking pitchers today. How you doing? I'm doing good, except uh, pitching is uh, confounding this year. It's very difficult. Um, I'm going to go a step further and say it's a nightmare. It's absolutely mm-hmm. difficult. Uh, you got you know, guys that we would have never expected to be you know, single league that impactful are dominating in all formats. You got guys that we expected to, you know, be their usual selves and, and they're flopping. And a lot of it, a lot of like 
the plus or minus of a guy has come down to home runs. We've talked about home runs all year. They've been a big issue. They'll be a major topic here when we talk about all sorts of different pitchers. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, the question of the day leading off here. Which of these surging veterans do you actually trust the most? Which one would you be looking to keep in all formats the rest of the year between Jason Vargas, Irvin Santana, and Mike Leake? And can all three win a Cy Young, by the way? Can they do an extra Cy Young this year to give? I, I'm just going to just go with my gut here, I think. Okay. I don't have any fancy numbers. I don't, I don't think there's any that you could come up with, so I, I agree with going with your gut. Any forp or borp or dorp. I'm going with Urban Santana. I thought that's my, that might be where you go. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you know, the thing, the thing that is weird for me about Leak is that he has the worst strikeout rate of the three. And I'm, you know, I'm still into strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And he does it, like if you count the cutter as a fastball, he throws 90% fastballs. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's like four seam, two seam cutter. Yeah. Like he just manipulates his fastball a whole bunch. And I, it's weird because I, this is a, a reason that I like, that I actually like Lance Lynn, who we'll talk about a little bit later. I like Lance Lynn's command of three pitches. However, Lance Lynn has more velocity on those pitches and Lance Lynn's uh, out pitch or, or secondary pitch is better than anything that Leak's throwing. So. You know, I just, you know, when you start, when your canine starts at six, I'm just not, I'm not really that into you. I'm sorry. Um, we'll get back to Santana here in a minute, but I'm actually going to go with Vargas. And for some of the reason that you're talking about, the strikeout piece, he continues to maintain a 12% swinging strike rate. We started to see the strikeouts and swinging, swing and miss stuff, uh, perk up last year when he returned is his, his little stint back from Tommy John. It was only 12 innings. You know, in September, you're not going to put a whole lot of weight into it. But then you see what he's doing this year with Vargas, 54 and two-thirds innings of a 23% strikeout rate and 12% swinging strike rate. Now all of a sudden you add it up, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching 70 innings of this, of this newfound work. And, and basically what it is is, is kind of working the, uh, the, the fastball off the changeup better. Changeup's always been good, always been like his plus out pitch. It's kind of operating as like a plus plus pitch. Most starts these days. Fastball is 86. Obviously that's terrible, but when you can, when you can manipulate it off the changeup and off the curveball, really, um, it, it certainly looks faster. I think he, he uses effective velocity pretty well. I don't know. You know, I look at an 82% left on base rate. That's obviously going to go up. Uh, the 268 Babbitt is, is probably even likely to go up a little bit for Jason Vargas, but I think I'm actually going to trust him the most. I'm a big Urban Santana fan. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm with you in terms of liking him a bit, but I'm going to trust guess, Vargas the most. Guess what number Irvin Santana's strikeout rate starts with? Stupid six. Seven. Oh, it's with a six as well? Yeah. Oh, then you might have to switch. Very surprising, man. I thought uh, Vargas has the best sort of strikeout minus walk ratio, which is a, a nice, quick, and easy way to look at pitchers just because it takes away all the ball and play nonsense that we're trying to figure out. 
Um, gets to the heart of what they're able to do. I figured that, that he had his customary sort of eight strikeouts per nine that he's settled into the last few years. Um, but I guess not. And he's got the, one of the worst, uh, swing strike rates of his, of his, at least the last five years. Yeah, that's a really interesting case, especially with the uh, PED suspension, um, on one side and on the other side, the increased, uh, the increased usage of the changeup, which it's not an amazing changeup, but just the fact that he trusts it now, um, and he has for the last four years, I think has been a good development for him. So. I don't know. I mean, he's got the best fastball velocity of the group, which mm-hmm. is uh uh is something Not something worth something so much over those two though. Well, yeah, I mean I mean he, it is the best. Well, let's let's say best fastball velocity Irvin Santana, best out pitch Irvin Santana. Okay. Best mix uh Jason Vargas, best command Mike Leake. Okay, I think that's fair. For the out pitch, you're saying Santana's slider? Yeah. Okay, I can get behind that. Here's the thing. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, mix has always been something that we're a fan of, and I think that Vargas does have probably the best mix. So, the real the real difficult part, we picked the one that we trust, like, the most, but what are you doing with 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 each of these guys in mixed leagues right now? Are you trying to package them in something? You, you I'll like... sell all three. I'll sell all three. And I would do. I think the two for the two for two as replaced the two for one. We've always talked about this. You got to do a two for two, um, <clears throat> and look for a tiny little tiny little upgrade. Take your uh, what's, who's a struggling first baseman other than Carlos Santana? How about this? Carlos Santana and Irvin Santana. For Greg Bird and Mike Leake. Eh, that's not a good one because Mike Leake's not struggling. Um, Nate Carnes. Okay, Nate Carnes just went on the DL. You're, you're trying to say, okay, I'll, you know, I'll take your Nate Carnes issue. He went on the DL yeah. here. Or, or Justin Samarja, who, you know, skills have been there the last month. Yeah, that would be a great offer to offer someone whose DL is just all screwed up. Yeah. Right, you take, take the guy. Greg Bird is rehabbing. You know, you're going to take a bet on on Greg Bird versus, you know, Carlos Santana's exit velocities and and stuff suggest that he's been a little unlucky. He's got five homers. He should have eight, but that's not a huge amount. And then also, you know, to take his slugging for like four ten x stats uh, x org says his slugging should be like four seventy five. Four seventy five is not like an amazing number for him. No, and it's really not. That's more back to like the old Carlos Santana where he hit like 25 homers or whatever. Not the 30 homer hitter from last year. Exactly. And that's a big deal right now, I think, where everyone has power. If your first baseman is a 20 homer hitting like 240 hitter, uh, you know, it's a, it's a weakness. I'm in a 10 teamer where he's like the obvious problem on my team and I'm, I'm about to maybe drop him. Anyway, that's, uh, this, uh, the other, we should probably move on to, yeah, to pitching ranks. Go but, ahead and dive in. Um, we're going to go ahead and tackle this with, with questions about guys that we've moved up and down. Um, so let's start with some of the guys that we've moved up. I'm going to ask you questions about them, kind of get to the heart of, of what they're doing. Let's start with Luis Severino, guys that, uh, a guy that we both obviously have moved up. I don't really think there's anybody out there that if they're doing rankings, they haven't moved him up unless they were just really aggressive on him coming into the season. Luis Severino had that, uh, that, that kind of little breakthrough stint two years ago. 
it looked a little fraudulent if you kind of looked at the advanced indicators. Uh, he'd given up too many homers. It was a small sample. Uh, it never really got to come back on him that he allowed a 1.3 homer per nine. Well, last year it did. And, uh, you know, he allowed 1.4 homers. The hits were up. The, the base skills were the same strikeouts and walks, but the ERA was a hell of a lot closer to the, uh, to the FIP. So you kind of look at those two 21, 22 year old things. You, you saw the flashes of brilliance, but we didn't really know what to make of Luis Severino coming into his age 23 season. He's been really good. Home runs are still a bit of an issue as they are with so many guys this year, but down to 1.1, which is actually a career best. Strikeouts are way up. Walks are down. Hits are down. So everything else has gotten better. He's just kind of allowing some homers. Almost kind of looks like, uh, teammate Michael Pineda a little bit, where you get the strikeouts and walks. When it's, when it's trouble, it's just kind of a little bit of a fat pitch that goes for a homer. But if nobody's on base, you're not getting that hurt by it. 311 ERA, 106 whip. What's your assessment on Luis Severino, what we've seen so far, and what we're going to get the rest of the way? It's funny because I don't think that his changeup is amazing. You know, I don't think that in terms of what his pitches have done, there's no sort of smoking gun where you can say, oh, look, he, you know, did this thing. I feel like when you look at him, you say, you know, uh, Yes, the the slider, which it got better last year. You know, he started out when he first came up, he was throwing everything super hard and, you know, he, he threw the slider too hard. Somewhere around June, July last year, he started throwing a, 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 a not as hard slider that, um, that added, you know, a good, what is it here? I've got it. A good four inches of drop. Uh, compared to his kind of cutter slider thing that he was throwing when he was all amped up. So ever, you know, since that day, um, his slider has gotten good. And that's given him two really good pitches. The high velocity, good ride, uh, four seam, and then a, a slider that drops, uh, almost like a curveball. It's a really good slider and it drops, uh, compared to his, his four seam, it drops 10 inches more. So that's almost like a curveball if you think about it. So, um, he's got, he's got, in, th- in those ways, he's got something good. However, the change in terms of drop has not really improved that much. Um, you know, it, it's shown some signs recently that some of the best numbers he's gotten on it in terms of drop have come recently in like the last couple of games. But if you're talking about this season as a whole, he has not impressed, uh, with the drop on his changeup. Um, the, the horizontal movement on it hasn't changed much. Um, and, uh, uh, the, the speed on it hasn't changed. So it's still kind of, uh, you know, not the most exciting pitch. However, he's throwing it, you know, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, it just matters that he's throwing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, if you look at the, the outcomes on the pitch, it still doesn't have, uh, that good results. It's getting half the whiffs of a regular slider. However, it's getting good ground balls and it's not going for homers. So I think that's kind of like a ball and play pitch that he can use against lefties. This is um, Severino's changeup we're talking about. Severino's changeup. And it allows him just to not be so predictable. Exactly. And I think that's if you watch Michael Pineda, you're like, oh God, here it comes. You know, here comes the dick shot. Yeah, and here comes the the piped fastball at 95 because he's in trouble. Okay, here comes the slider, spit out. on it. 
you know, he becomes predictable because his is a show me change. And you're saying Severino's is, is something a level better than that. So. No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Michael Pineda would be, uh, would probably get just as much out of it if maybe it's about command. You know, maybe, you know, I know that Pineda is a, is a split finger. Maybe he has no idea where it's going and he can't get it anywhere near the zone. So he can't even get a swing on it. He can't even get a ball and play, you know, change up. And so if he's at all in trouble, he can't throw it. Whereas Severino, maybe he has better command of it. Whatever it is, he has better belief in it. And so, you know, he's just, he's, he's throwing it 10% of the time and that's like, that's a good number. That's enough to keep them off balance. But otherwise, you know, I've seen some of his starts. I think his command is better than Pineda's. Um, there are some similarities there. High fastball velocity, good slider, not great change. But if you just have slightly better command uh, and you trust that change up more often, you're going to have better results. So, All right. you know, here that's a good would you rather. I, I mean, I think I know. Do it. I, was just I think do I know it. your your answer to this one. Here's uh, the thing. Here, let me let me address something real quick before we dive in. I have Michael Pineda up. In the spot, in the, in the, in the must start group. And everyone said, Ooh, you changed your tune on Michael Pineda. I have not. Okay. I know that that might run counter. My thing is the way he's being right now, you can't bench him anywhere. You don't know when the implosion is coming because he is commanding better right now. He's still giving up the home runs, but he's not allowing as many hits. The walks are even down more. And so you can't try to pick and choose your spots with Pineda. That's part of the problem with him too, is that the the scary start is coming up and you're like, oh, maybe I should bench him here. And he shuts him out for seven strong and with 10 strikeouts. The the easy start's coming up, you know, home to Philly or, or, or KC or something. KC's a bad example because he just had two great starts against them. But I remember like a Philly start last year where he gave up like eight earned against them. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had the bad start except for the season opener. So I do think that right now Michael Pineda is somebody that you must start. You can't – like it's going well yeah, right now. But- to your point, to your point, you know, even though he hasn't had a terrible start, the starts that he had that are like the 450 ERA types – um, are at Kansas City, you would have started him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh yep. you would have started him. And then the, even that home opener, I don't know if you would have started him depending on what you thought of him, but it was at Tampa. And then next, the next start he had was home against Tampa and he whooped them. He, he devastated. Yeah. The, the whole, the season opener at Tampa, three and two thirds, four runs. Very next start, home to Tampa, seven and two thirds, one earned, 11 punchies. And so you, you, you just can't, not start him. I know it's a double negative. You have to start him. That's why he's up there. I have not changed my outlook though. The second, if, if hits start falling more and he starts getting back up to eight and a half plus hits per nine, I'll go right back to being terrified of Michael Pineda. But as it stands right now, I think you have to start him. And I would have him, um, just ahead of, of Severino. But honestly, I really have them, uh, very similarly, uh, I view them very similarly right now. Severino is in the usually start tier, which is that tier next tier down. I think I I can't really think of too many scenarios where I wouldn't start him. Maybe going into Coors, although probably wouldn't start um, Pineda there either. But that's a hypothetical that doesn't really matter because you're talking about NL AL East teams that would have to go out to the NL West, and that's very rare. So I have them pretty close, but I'm going to give the edge right now to Pineda. Um, what about you? Who do you prefer between Pineda and Severino? Then I'm gonna give you some others with Severino. Yeah, I mean, given their how close they how close they are in similarities, and then you look at 
Pineda's strikeout rate and and walk rate, and you're just like, those are awesome. So good. Uh, and uh, and you just wonder if even if he regresses to last year's home run rate, which is an amazing thing to say, but if he regresses to last year's home run rate, he will, you know, he'll have enough positive regression to offset some of the negative regression in the batting average on balls in play. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very interesting characteristic. I would I have them close. I'm I'm right now. I may just publish these because we're working on them. I'm working on these while we while we do this. I'm working on my rankings while we do these um because it's it's a really nice way to feel things out. And it almost like st- cuts out a step because a lot of times we publish rankings and we talk about them and then and then, then we want to update them. <laughs> exactly. So in this case I, I have Severino and Pineda like six apart, but I, I think it is interesting to talk about the names that are in between just because it gives you a sense of there is risk in this grouping and it's, it's an interesting grouping because they're all guys who can pitch to a one, two level. Um, I think going forward and, or at least a two level going forward. Mm-hmm. And that's a sort of extinct, it's like a sort of rare creature. Uh, we were talking before we came on here about how, you know, it's easy to kind of come up with your top 20 maybe, easy-ish, and then it's kind of easy to conceive of, you know, the guy that should be picked up, the sort of 50 through 70, but uh, the kind of in between the soft middle is, is, is a very interesting play. So I have right now, and I don't know, I think maybe, you know, Rich Hill may, may disabuse me of his placement here um, going forward, but I have Pineda. Hill, Robbie Ray, Jeff Samarja, Matt Shoemaker, Aaron Nola, Michael Waka, and Luis Severino as this grouping. Okay. Uh, who were the first couple names? I missed the first couple. Uh, Pineda, Hill, Robbie Ray, Jeff Samarja, Matt Shoemaker, Nola, Waka, Severino. Man, so it's uh, a lot of guys who, you know, a lot of these guys have good strikeout rates. And then the ones who don't have them in the past, like Rich Hill. Yeah. Um, why, why is Robbie Ray still up there? You just don't think he's worth it. I don't know. I got him a little bit lower. I just I haven't really seen any any advancement. I I had him in in Pineda. I, like I was and pay, he's still yeah, yeah he's still getting crazy up. strikeouts, but the walks are up. The home runs are 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 static. I don't know, man. And, and I wrote I wrote a piece about the curveball that actually found that he had one of the least separations between uh slider and like between his two breaking balls in baseball. His hard contact has been a problem these past couple of years and it's up to forty six percent this year for okay, Robbie Ray. He's done. So yeah, I had him down in the spot start category. I acknowledge that the strikeouts are great, but I'm really looking for the the best spots to And if you just if you just look at like if you just look at like traditional, you know, what are his projections versus what he's doing now the projections say what he's doing right now is him. Yeah, he's just he's just that guy. He's he's upper threes, low fours, and if the yeah, home runs days, goes sideways, it's mid fours. I mean, he's solid. Don't get me wrong. In today's environment, isn't like a three nine ERA with eleven strikeouts per nine still pretty valuable? He's definitely still a top. I think still like a top fifty guy, but uh, maybe he's a little bit out of. I, yeah, I, it's a little, he's a little bit out of place there. And you could argue, I think, honestly, that that Rich Hill is out of place there I too, agree. but. But he was so good, and we're talking about the really the smallest sample out of any of these guys. That's the problem, and and that's kind of the the, the start. Like last night is 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 why it's tough to have him on a team. And, and don't get me wrong, I advocated for getting Rich Hill, and and kind of dealing with this trouble. But 
four innings, five runs, seven walks. Like when he doesn't have it, he doesn't have He it. has like minus minus fastball command. It's a, it's a, a secret of his, but he, it, in a, a weird secret. thing, it, well, an open secret, I guess, but yeah. the other, the other part of it is that he has like plus plus breaking ball command, which is so impressive because that's a tough pitch to command that well. Uh, he has uh, minus 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 composure and body language too. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He's in my he's in my Alan Webster grouping. I never God. thought of it that way. <laughs> when things go we were, south, he gets so angry. Were you at that minor league uh, the, at the spring training game? No, I I was at the spring training game where he was just. Uh, uh, dropping f bombs, he couldn't find the plate with his fastball, and uh, I did he not was just, see that. That's oh my god, so loud! And there was like five thousand people in the stadium, <laughs> and I was like, everyone here can hear. We everything all you're know saying. everything you're doing there, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. So the thing of it is, I I, I, understand- I, have to, I have to drop him below this group. I'd rather like if you just asked me, would you rather have Severino or Hill? Um, I'd rather have Severino. I would rather have Severino too, and so that that is what I was going to ask you. What about somebody like Severino, who's that flashy upside, big strikeout guy, or the more staid veteran type who's not going to strike anybody out? Ivan Nova. I have Nova lo- lower because uh, you know. Because he's basically okay. I know he has he has way better command, but if you took command out of the picture, he's like a Michael Pineda without any of the stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. two pitch pitcher, and I think that I was just watching his start today pretty closely, and he's been trying to inch that changeup usage up. But you know, if he gets in any sort of stickler situation, it's not one that he can put in the middle of the zone like he likes to. Uh, or not the middle zone, but in the zone like he likes to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he doesn't really go to it. So today he had a really good start going. And, you know, in the end, I think people will take it, even though it was one strikeout in eight innings. It was going to be a lot better. It was going to be a lot better if he didn't even pitch that that last that last inning. Go, go into the ninth. Yeah, he got one out in the ninth. Ends up giving up a couple of the runs. Probably should have just gone eight strong. But he still ended with 100 pitches. I understand why they send him back out there, right? I mean, yeah. you come into the inning, you know, under 100, you're rolling. And, and it's well, and also they're up by, it was like 7-1, exactly. right? So it's like, you know, not a lot of pitches thrown out there. But if it was a tighter game, I'm not sure I would even, no matter what his pitch count was, because you're going to have a harder time third and fourth time through the order with two pitches. So, Certainly. uh, I think that'll rob him and his team will rob him. He won't have a lot of wins. So, and he won't have a great strikeout rate. So there's a lot of ways that even though he has a good ERA and whip and may be projected to be decent in those categories, um, he's he's not going to give you a lot of other things. So I would rather when I thought I thought you were it's not steady Eddie, but I thought you were maybe going to go with Jeff Samarja or Matt Shoemaker as as veterans that have wider pitch mixes. Let's let's talk uh, about Shark because so more to more to fall back on. Whereas Severino, yes uh, Severino, but you know the velocity with Samarja is not that bad either. So you know what about this guy who has great strikeout minus walk rates? Samarja is a big that, outing today. You know, um, he he walked his. First batter of the month, of the yeah. month, eleven strikeouts, nine strikeouts, eight, eight, and eight uh, are his strikeout totals for the month. 
Jeff Samarja, even with the big month though, he's only down to a 450 ERA. That tells you the kind of the work that he had, uh, what he's had to work off from April, including the six earned at Arizona and the seven earned at Colorado, which, you know, depending on the shallowness of the league, you might not have even taken either of those from Samarja because he was kind of that mid, mid, rotation guy anyway that you could have been spotting you might have at least escaped the Colorado start but the six earned at the Mets you definitely took that one you, you weren't scared of the Mets on May 9th at that point so uh Jeff Samarja or or Luis Severino I am interested in that uh in, in that in that uh pick I think there. I'm taking Samarja I just wrote a piece today about how he doesn't he's not doing the turn as much as he used to he kind of was doing the Cueto turn last year and I think uh he's basically said that he's rediscovered his slider by not doing that turn and going straight to the to the plate, um, I think it's probably better for his command too to go straight to the plate, and I think that's uh, that's borne out in the in the numbers this year. So you know, plus plus strikeout minus walk rate, and though he's had sort of Pineda esque command issues in the past and and some home run problems, uh, he's settled in right now to where a little bat of regression um, is really the difference between now and and the future. And, um, I think he'll end the year with his best strikeout rate and his, you know, one of his best swinging strike rates, uh, and, and go on a really nice run coming up here real soon. I mean, he ended the story saying, you know, I've had a lot better numbers and been searching a lot harder than I am right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's saying, you know, he even said, this is one of those times where I just put my head down and go out there. Today, even would have been better, except that it was the wind was blowing out at Wrigley. And he liked three solos. Yeah, and I think the Zobrist home run in particular was, I don't have the stat cast numbers in front of me, but I would probably give that like a 40% home run chance. Um, so just because he hit it doing. right into the wind and it was like two rows deep. And let me just uh, get mad here for a second. The dude shielded his head, didn't see the ball, was, was clearly afraid and like didn't know what to do. And the ball bounced. He looked up. And he just grabbed the ball. I've never gotten a ball. Can you? And I, I, I would be so mad if that happened near me. Okay, that's really, I'm still mad. That's I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I'm, I, I share that. Share, I share in your <laughs> anger there. Um, I actually had Samarja in, in the in the tier below uh, the spot start tier. I think if I was updating. If I was updating like every week, which I'm not going to, I'm gonna update every month. Uh, he would be up in the in the usually start tier, and so then he and Severino are kind of a, a coin flip there. I think I would lean toward the NL pitcher in San Francisco. So that's that's a rankings change for me here, just since last week when I posted these. But uh, that's nothing against Severino. That's more pro Samarja, whose numbers again have been fantastic uh, after working off some ugly April starts. All right, let's move on to our next guy here. Is Sonny Gray back? Now it's early, and you know it might be difficult to say fully back. But twenty nine two thirds innings, twenty three percent strikeout rate, his highest since twenty thirteen. Walk rate six point seven percent, lowest ever. Eleven point two percent swinging strike rate, best ever. Home runs are there as they are for everybody. One point two. Sonny Gray's looking good. How much do you buy? You know, I, I here's another guy that I think has been searching for a third pitch his whole life and hasn't found it. And there's this weird thing that happened in this last game where um, a lot of the uh, pitch, and even Brooks, 
Uh, Brooks has it uh, as the biggest slider usage of his career. Uh, he threw 30% sliders. I mean, <clears throat> I watched the game. I I would have called those all curveballs. So and they call them know, what? Sliders. Okay. And I don't. And I know that he has in the past kind of manipulated his curveball, and he's had a slider and a curveball. Um, and so I'm not say, I'm not like mad at Brooks. Uh, I understand. Yeah, I think Brooks beef. <laughs> I, <laughs> I understand how it happened because um, I think the interesting thing might be that generally the slider has been considered about 85 miles an hour, um, 86, 87, like in there. And the, this, the, the curve has been more 80, 81. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they called them all sliders, um, based on the speed, based on the speed. But if you look at the, the drop, um, well, I don't know. Maybe it just, maybe it's a trick of the eyes because it still says that his average drop on the slider, which he threw 30% of the time was minus, minus 2.4. Where his um, his curveball is usually minus five to six, so maybe I mean he was throwing them a lot in the dirt, so maybe that was affecting it. Maybe they would have moved more if uh, the dirt wasn't there. You know what I mean? If the ground wasn't get the there. dirt removed. Yeah, I just what I'm saying is I don't know that there's been a big change okay. uh, in terms of what he's doing. I mean, it's but, still it's still fastball curve. I think he's maybe refound the feel on his curve. Yeah, he was and he was fantastic outside of last year though. So I don't think we necessarily need him need to him make to drastic have, changes. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, he's still he's still in his park. It's it's one of those things where maybe there's some park factors in there mm-hmm. um, that, that have kept you know the the league's home run rates have gone up, especially guys with two pitches. It seems like and his have been more modest. And um, you know his his lifetime batting average on balls in play is two seventy seven. You know, is that something that would be true if he if he'd come up with the Yankees? Um, so there's a there's a there's a weird thing where he's in the past had better numbers than the strikeout minus walk rates would suggest he should have. And so you're kind of left wondering, you know, if it is like the Matt Kanish thing where it's like, you know, when's the shoe gonna drop? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously last year with the injury, you know, it all sort of fell apart. Uh, and you're kind of worried because he's coming off injury again. So I, I, I will just say this. I, I'm not going to buy his previous results. I'm not going to buy his previous results this year, and I'm not going to buy his career previous results. I know he's done 600 innings of a 3-4-2 ERA and a one two zero whip. You know, three of those years were pre-juice ball, you know, uh, and then there was always the strikeout minus walk discrepancy, and then there's been tiny, tiny ass batting average of balls in play, which would make me uncomfortable. Okay. So I got some names. I, for I, you. I, I, yeah, let's do names. Sonny Gray, or another guy coming off injury and pitching pretty well quietly, Zach Wheeler. Hmm. Wheeler does not really have a great change. He's kind of a two breaking ball guy with bad command, but he's at least a two breaking ball guy. Um, yeah, he has the, something the distinct curve and uh, yeah. and slider that like seventy eight mile per hour curve. And then 88 mile per hour slider. So those he are- doesn't have the Robbie Ray problem where they're almost the same thing. Those are exactly. different. Just, um, Walks you know, are too high, but always have been. Good ground ball rate. Mm-hmm. He's healthy. He's throwing 95, better velocity, easier league. You know, easier league. Sounds like a good no, one. 
Okay. That's Sonny Gray. <laughs> but I have to. All these check marks are... in Wheeler's favor. I'll go Sonny. Well, in command, no, but command is just that thing where you're like, it's, uh, it's a big, it's a big asterisk. Where do I put that asterisk? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at their, if you look at their projections, grays are better. Uh, you know, Wheeler's not a known quantity. If he had like a, a way lower walk rate than he does right now, I might say maybe he's figured something out in the command standpoint and I have to, and I really have to bump him up, but I do have to bump Wheeler up, but I don't think I'm going to pump him past gray. Okay. I think that that's, uh, that's, that's perfectly fair. Gray's another guy I probably got to move up a little bit when I, when I ranked him. I think he's had like two or three starts since I, since I slotted him and, and hadn't looked. But, uh, you know, I'm intrigued by what he's doing for sure. I think the points you make about not getting too overzealous about what we've seen from Sonny Gray are correct. But I, I'm digging him. I'm, I'm digging good Sonny Gray again. I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's looking mostly. Let me back. give you a would you rather. Okay. Um, Alex Wood. How are you gonna do that to me? <laughs> I'm really, I'm really... Okay, how about this guy? How about this guy? This guy, uh, this guy, you can think about it, Alex Wood, but, um, this guy is a fastball curve guy, uh, throws 91 instead of 93, 94. Traditional size though. Uh, coming off a better three, three year stretch in some probably. Drew Pomerantz. Ooh, speaking of minus minus body language. Oh man, he is um, a bad. I'm gonna take, he, I'm gonna take Gray. Tra- I'm gonna take yeah. Gray. I, I worry about the health, the, the, the mental aspect over there. Not, not like questioning his smarts or anything. I'm not saying that about mental. I'm saying, how happy he is, like how much he enjoys being there. If you don't think that that affects you, you're crazy, right? I mean, you, we've all been at jobs. I know our jobs aren't professional sports, but we've all been at jobs where we hate everything that's going on, and so we suck at the job. And, you know, he's not fully sucking in terms of his skills, but he's got a 497 ERA, home runs through the roof. I like Drew Pomeranz a, a, a bit, but I'm going to go Sonny Gray there. Um, for Lance sure. Lynn. Lance Lynn. I love Lance Lynn. You can't, you can't really get me off the Lance Lynn train. So I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean Lynn. Actually, not lean. I'm going to fully take him. I, yeah. I, I dig Lynn. I understand that you look at the FIP and all the secondary indicators. I totally get that. I understand that that's, that Lynn's that kind of guy where you're like, Hey man, you guys t- teach us about these secondary, you know, these indicators and now we're using it. And yet you're saying Lynn's still good. I get it. 470 FIP. Watch a few Lynn starts and you understand why he's better than, than those, than those peripheral career, numbers. Career, career 330 ERA, career 345 FIP. He, he gets, he so gets if he keeps well. that, if he keeps that going, I know his FIP right now is 470, it's but. It's the homers. The homers. So you, you, you expect some positive regression. You look at his, uh, he has a, one of his projections has a 398, uh, projected FIP. So he's at least, I think, um, you know, like a three, that the projection would say like a three seven guy, and we're saying that we believe probably more on like a three five level. Exactly, exactly. And that's probably, that's really close to Sunday Gray, and then you add in the fact that he has a higher floor because, yes, his home park is as good as Sunday Gray's, but then his home league is his better league's than Sunday better. Gray's. 
I think he is healthier right now. I know he's coming off of his Tommy John and, and Ray's coming off of his assorted injuries. So maybe that's unfair to give Lynn a health advantage, but I don't know. I just trust him more. You, t- you talk about the stature thing. You mentioned that about stature earlier. You just said it in passing. That was always a big concern that people had for Gray was that he was, you know, 5'10 listed. So probably 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, five, uh, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go Lynn there. As far as Alex Wood goes, let's let's transition into talking about Alex Wood because he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball so far. Forty three innings in, uh, strikeout rate through the roof, walk rate holding steady as as a good walk rate by the way, seven and a half. Swinging strike rates way up, velocity is up two three miles per hour depending on where you look. Everything's supporting what he's doing. Sixty eight percent ground ball rate. The mechanics. This was the this is the clincher for me. This is why I'm going to go Alex Wood, and I'm actually thinking about Alex Wood. Uh, on a pretty high level right now. Doug Thorburn always called him the Tasmanian devil with good reason because his mechanics were crazy. On his own podcast, Doug Thorburn was talking about how his mechanics have greatly improved. They're, they're more easily repeatable, um, and just downright better for Alex Wood now. And so there's some added believability in what he's doing. So I'm going to go Alex Wood over Sonny Gray and probably over a lot of guys right now. Alex Wood's pitching brilliantly, and I'm buying in. Uh, MLB.com's being a B. Why you got to be a B? But I am going to look at these real quick. Let me see. Let's see this. Alex Wood. All right, we're ready to play. We're ready to play. I still got that crazy long path in the back. People, people would say that they don't like that long path. But yeah, you know, he's not, he's not melting down. I always call it the toddler melting down. It's not, there's something, yeah. Yeah, it is better, isn't it? It's just, it's sharper. It, it's yeah. something where you, if you haven't watched much Alex Wood, go to any game prior to 17. I think he's not falling off the mound as much. Exactly. You know? The major fall off that he had. I, yeah. you know, I once comped him to Ubaldo from the left side and, and you put a mirror image and you can, you, you saw how they were similar. He's not like that this year. He's just not. And so I think a lot of what Alex Wood is doing, Alex Wood's only 26 by the way too. It's not like he's some, some old veteran finally coming around. He's, he's had lots of quality work too. The one time he wasn't great from like a strikeout, and walk standpoint was 2015, and it was just because his strikeouts were done down. Um, but he was at 26% last year, 25% in 14, 24% in, in 2013. So I think there's a lot to believe in with Alex Wood. Help and his- I love, yeah, I've always loved that he has a really good curveball and a really good change. I mean, it's, it's very rare to have both. Exactly. And the velocity's up on everything. He's he's really no. commanding the the curveball a lot better this year. I would say the only asterisk is kind of the Dylan Bundy asterisk. You're an asterisk. Where yeah, you're an asterisk. Uh, um, the the Dylan Bundy asterisk where it's kind of like uh, you know, Can what you hold uh, up all year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about you know 171, 189, 60 innings last year. Mm-hmm. He's always been uh, a swingman, Alex Wood has. So can he do the 200? Can he do buck 80 even? He's yeah. done a buck 80 before, buck 90, uh, back in 2015, but that was also, again, the worst season. 17% strikeout rate, 384 ERA, 136 whip for Alex Wood. Uh, let's talk about, let's, let's add Bundy into the combo then, cause you bring him up. My question for I you is- I just moved Wood, I just moved Wood all the way up to Severino. I, that's, that's necessary. I actually have him, uh, a few clicks above Severino. Yeah, that might be. I mean, he has a better, 
better grouping of pitches. I mean, like like I said, the the, the three pitches, um, and he's throwing almost. He's not throwing as hard as, as Severino. That's that's an interesting sort of thing to, to think about. He's throwing hard with his sinker though. And ninety three from the left is actually kind of ninety four from the right. So exactly. we're not talking about that far of a difference. Then you add in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, it's a, yeah. Dodgers, right there. You know, Dodgers is at least neutral for the most part, whereas Yankee Stadium can be tougher on pitchers. So, you know, again, this is not to down Severino. It's to prop up Alex Wood. You, you mentioned Bundy, though. I, I do want to bring him into the fold here. My question was, can Bundy hold up all year? Can Dylan Bundy hold up all year as a, you know, number two or whatever, whatever, whatever we're putting him at, number two, number three, but as somebody that you rely on all the time? Yeah, you know he went. It's he went back to his cutter. Yeah, they, uh, let, they let him go back to it. Yeah, it's a it's a and it's it's a good pitch, but you know he got more whiffs on the um he got more whiffs on the on the uh, on the changeup. You know, in the past. Mm-hmm. Has he? Has so, he? Uh, has Dylan Bundy gone away from the changeup, or is he just not using it as like? Has he gone away from it completely? There were some misclassifications, but you know, it's hard. It's actually kind of hard when you watch to separate because the slider and the changeup both go both average exactly eighty three point three according to Pitch FX. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they're they're really close, and the changeup is a split finger, so it's not even going to uh, have as much fade as a traditional circle change. Uh, split fingers are kind of more up down, uh, more like a straight change, you might say. So, you know, it's very hard to tell exactly what his mix is. But, you know, going through one of his first games back, I was like, this looks like 80%, you know, cutters, um, uh, trying to just kind of guess from movement from watching. This looks like 80% cutters. Uh, and if you, if you, Look at right now, they're almost saying 50-50 slider, uh, cutters changeups, uh, if you just compare those two pitches. So, yeah, it, it, I would say that he's throwing the cutter more. You looked last year, he had a 10.5% swing or strike rate and an 8, 8.5 Ks per nine in, in what was like a good breakout season. Uh, this year he's down to 9.8 swing strike rate and six strikeouts per nine, 6.4. Yeah, 18% strikeout rate right now for Dylan Bundy. But the walks are down, the home runs are down. So maybe it's kind of figuring everything out. He's commanding better, but not getting as many strikeouts and he's still trying to figure out that balance of where he can get the strikeouts while still not allowing the walks and the homers for Bundy. What do you think about that? It's possible. Um, you know, people have tried to study this link between the cutter itself as a pitch. And sweet contact. Okay. Uh, I know Craig uh, Edwards has done a piece on this, and I've tried to look into it. Um, you know, the cutter does have a lower BABIP than a four seam, um, say, or um, you know, I'm trying to do something here while we're talking. I'm trying. I'm going to map uh, his spin rate and just make sure he's not uh, hurting because spin rate. I wish you. I wish if you went to. Um, Wish if you went to uh, MLB.com or to Baseball Savant, they had you know how they have the rolling exit velocity. Mm-hmm. Kind of wish they had the rolling spin rate. We should ask Darren. Right. I feel like that's right. They're, they're always pretty open. To, yeah, <clears throat> but I, I would say that the cutter has uh, has less 
uh, has a lower BABIP, a lower batting average of balls in play than other fastballs, but it's not like as low as sliders and curves in them. Okay. So, um, okay. Uh, his spin rate has, um, mostly held steady. It was, it was pretty superlative early on though, and, you know, you could actually say it's dropped. I mean, early in the season he was averaging, uh, over 2600. And, uh, you know, he's, he's below that. There's a little bit of recovery lately, but there was definitely a dip in early May where it was, uh, under 2500. So, you know, a little bit, uh, I would might monitor his spin rate. If he ever drops below 2400 for a start, um, I would get really, uh, really into those sell highs on Dylan Bundy. Uh, because spin rate has, you know, there's some initial indicators that, uh, it can be seen as a, uh, uh, injury, um, a predictor for injury if, if there's a big change. In other, but you know, in my chat today, somebody was saying, you know, you've been saying to, to, to try and sell Bundy and everyone sees me coming a mile away. And there's I, nothing I can do about that. And I was like, you know, this whole offseason I tried to sell, um, I, I tried to sell Dallas Keuchel. You know, and I sold, I tried to sell as hard as I could, and I couldn't, and maybe, now maybe I'm like, should. well, yeah, like, okay, thanks guys, now I have, uh, a guy who's been pretty good, so, exactly. um, maybe you just do that where you say, alright, well, I can't sell, you don't want, you don't sell him for nothing, you, you have to get something, so if you can't get anything for him, then you just hold on to him, and, and, you know, maybe there's a couple bumps in the road, and you end up getting like 150, 160 good innings out of him, so. So, you know, what, um, but I would I would put him right around uh, Sonny Gray. That's Dylan. And in Bundy. fact, I might put him I might put Dylan Bundy ahead of Sonny Gray because you know I see uh, four pitch mix, I see velocity, uh, I see the ability to get whiffs. I don't know what's going on with the strikeout rate necessarily. That's that's what makes me kind of debate the two. Exactly. Uh, but I like you know if you if you told me here's this guy with this velocity, this spin rate, this many pitches. Um, I would say that's the guy I want versus the sort of two pitch pitcher with, you know, different kind of stuff. So, uh, Dylan Bundy over Sonny Gray right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that that's, uh, that's completely but like, fair. you know, bop, bop, bop. Yeah. Like not, not substantially. <clears throat> so, um, Dylan Bundy or Kyle Hendricks, the guy who liked to come in of the year. Mm. Who's got, who's getting back on track, by the way. I, I, you know, not a huge Hendricks guy myself over here and you know was looking at him sideways early on I'm like whoa I didn't think he was going to be like this and he's he's straightening straightening himself out a bit uh down to 325 ERA with a 116 whip you know uh, the strikeouts are down a little bit 7.4 it was 8.1 last year you can work with that no no one's mad about where Hendricks is at right now is he going to stay there though is that is that around what he's going to end with so what, what do you think about crazy. Batting average on balls in play. He's got a, he's a two fifty again. Yep. Um I think he can be a mid threes guy. That that's where I always had him. That's why I didn't want to draft him in the super high tiers. He was in the first or second tier for most people. Yeah, I would I would push him down. Would you take Bundy over him though? No. There's something I like about Hendricks um command and uh and park. Yes, you know, Baltimore gets nice and hot and the ball starts flying out of there. And so we're seeing in 
for Bundy that at least part of this uh, improvement has been a, a cut in home runs. And, you know, of the shape of a season in Baltimore, you know, you, you see your peak in August and July. So, you know, we may still see those come, home runs come for him. Um, whereas Hendricks has kind of gone, has, is now showing the worst home run rate of his career. Uh, and I think that was part of the, the problem. So I doubt that more home runs are coming in the future. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Would you uh, say? I mean, we, we, we were kind of reaching in the dark on home runs, but not because, only because of the, you know, explosion in home runs across the league, but because you, it usually takes a large sample to know about these. Um, and, and it's, it's hard to know, you know, a home run versus a long fly ball, right? You think about that. How much of a sample are you talking about there? Yeah. I mean, that, that home runs are so sketchy because home, yeah. you know, home run to fly ball rate. Can, can be way down and you say, oh, that's gonna, you know, that's gonna go the other way for you. And if you're already giving up home runs with a low homer to fly ball rate, um, you know, Ron Chandler talks about a few gusts of wind one way or the other can really yeah. mess your home run rate or help it, you know, get, get a few gusts of wind blown in. Uh, I have Hendrix around Pineda and I think that's actually an amazing comment on what it is to pitch, how, what it means to, to pitch well, like how different people can have different ways of being good pitchers. Between command versus raw stuff. Oh my god, I mean, it's, if you it, could put Kyle Hendricks and Michael Pineda together, you might have one of the best pitchers of all time. I think you definitely would. Yeah. If you take, I mean, just take his, take Hendricks's command and the, cha- and the, and the multi-chain that he has. Then give him Pineda's slider Pineda. at 95 mile an hour it's fastball? Over. It's over. Oh my god. We are legitimately talking about one of the best pitchers ever at that point. Might be like a Roger Clemens. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Um couple quick ones on Dylan Bundy. Would you trade him for Justin Upton? Justin Upton hitting two twenty two but has eight homers, three stolen bases, twenty six runs, twenty ribbies. You know what I like about this move? You think about how much you spent on Dylan Bundy at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and how much the Justin Upton person spent on his you think about playing just just remember what it was like to play fantasy baseball before we had all these numbers <laughs> and you know what you used to do and you would say dude I'm going to take this back of the baseball card and say that Justin Upton is going to play to what he used to be and I'm going to and I'm going to take Bundy's back of the baseball card and say he's going to play to what he was used none of these guys are 35 years old you know um so I would say yes I mean I, I know that Upton's striking out a little bit more than he used to than he than he normally does. Um, but he's walking but a ton. He's walking a ton, and that's the kind of thing that could you know, especially with a guy like him who's very streaky, he could be in the middle of he could be about to break out in that you know maybe like pitchers have a certain thing they're trying to do to him right now, and he's just laying off of it, and that's why his walk rate is higher. Um, he's waiting. He's waiting. He's just waiting, and then if they're like, okay, well. I can't walk him every time he's up because I'm trying to throw the slider on the outside corner. So now I'm going to try and bust him inside of the sinker. He's like, boom. Thank you. Here I go. Ten still, home runs in the next, you know, five weeks. Still hasn't had his electric streak, obviously. Um, yeah, I would Upton's do it. good for one every single year. I would do that trade for sure. Dan Bundy, Justin Upton, I feel like you can get that done too. So if you need the power, if you need some offense, you got some good pitching, take Dylan Bundy and see what you can get. Um, all right. Couple more guys on the positive end here before we get down to some, some folks that were a little bit negative on. You mentioned Keiko briefly here, so I want to dive a little bit more, uh, into him. 
even accounting for the left on base rate and the Babbitt good fortune, um, and and let's assume that the the neck thing is quick, right? They said it was going to be a, one start missed on the DL, just putting him on there because it's the ten day. Uh, so let's assume that that's good. Obviously, if things go beyond that, we have to reassess. But he's going to be healthy. Missed the one start. Is Dallas Keuchel fully back, like to to Cy Young caliber? Yeah, we. I feel like we've talked about him sort of recently. It's just, um, yeah, we talked about him I think, on, on the last on the last cast or before. Did we? Why don't I remember? Cool memory. Oh, we, we were talking about how it's just him and Liriano and the low zone percentage. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And why do why do people keep swinging? Why do people yeah, keep swinging? Last year, you highlighted quickly that that. The league was laying off more and making him come back into the zone, Keiko. Uh, and he had a 41% zone rate, which was markedly higher than what he had in 15, uh, and even 14. It was, it was, it was a pretty big jump up. Those, those two good seasons that he had. This year it's back down to 37% zone rating. Their, mm, you know, O swings back up to 32%. Swinging strike rates back up to 10.5. Everything's adding up to look a lot like that, that Cy Young season for Keiko. Yeah, and pitch FX, which actually I, I kind of like a little bit better for uh, this situation where we're looking at zone, 34.4%, um, and last year was 42.7. So, yeah, it's even more. And then the O swing is 34 versus 31.8. So in some ways he's seeing the best he's seeing right now. And it's just kind of crazy that, um, you know, that he's getting even he's getting even uh, average uh, swing rates when He's never, he's the least, he's in the zone less than anybody else in baseball. I mean, it's cause uh, it di- the, the way it dives out though, when you watch Keiko, when he's on, the movement on his pitches is stupid. The, the all, all of them really, all the pitches, the, the, the two seam slider, cutter, change, it all just moves so much. You kind of see how they get fooled, but uh, I wonder what the difference is between last year and this year where they were laying off of it. Is the, is the stuff just, improved again is it as has he refound his his stuff i'd be interested in in you know framing situation behind the plate i know that jason castro was a good framer but maybe uh for his particular stuff brian mccann is better or whatever it is mm-hmm. i'd be interested if you know we're talking about a couple like half inches here or there um in terms of of command um but uh also i see here the 67 percent ground ball rate is uh and then the 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 highest sinker percentage of his career uh for for Dallas. So maybe he was trying the four seamer for whiffs last year um and that wasn't working so well. So he's kind of renewed dedication to the ground ball rate. One thing that Sierra research found that's skill interactive ERA uh from Matt Swartz, Sierra's research found that high ground ball rates or uh elite ground ball rates begat Lower batting average on balls in play. Yeah, once and, you get to a certain point, because obviously ground balls can lead to more hits, but once you hit that certain cutoff, which Keiko regularly is above about, you know, 62% or so, or so he's at 67%. That's when you really start impacting your own Babbitt. Yeah, and you look at, at his, um, FIP here, it's like, you know, 3.27, and you say, well, you know, what if he gives up a couple more homers? Maybe that's like 3.5, and that's why like the projections are all like, he's a 3.5 guy. The, um, the, the Babbitt is going to go up. Oh, and this is why, this is why you don't look at the projections for him. Because 
the, they're saying 305 batting average on balls in play. His career is 292. I would use his career at the very least. However, in his career, he's never had a 67% ground ball rate. We used to think that, um, we used to think that, or I used to think at least, I won't speak for all the other analysts, but I used to think that the link there on, on, um, why, why the, yeah, why the elite ground ball rates give up lower batting arms and balls in play. I thought for a long time that it might be, um, uh, because they, uh, because, you know, your, your, your defenders are on their toes. You right, know, ready to make plays. Ready to make plays and you're, and everyone's super active, uh, and, and looking, and that might be, might be part of it. But I think also what, happens with an elite ground ball rate guy is that um the the launch angle is is impressive you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh the launch angle is is so negative um that you're not talking the like all ground balls are not equal right exactly some of the best exit velocity hits are ground balls Probably not these ones against Keiko, especially with his 31% soft contact rate. You don't always have to have soft contact rate for ground balls to be good. Medium contact can work because those are very playable ground balls as well. But when it's the soft contact and he's up at 31% with the 67% ground ball rate, those are just a lot of routine grounders that are being turned into outs. But yeah, and just in terms of launch angle, there's like, you, there's like, just to take an extreme, there could be like a minus, uh, minus 45, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, de- degree, uh, hit that we call the ground ball. And then you could have like a, a, a zero or a minus two degree hit that might be called a ground ball, right? That's pretty stark difference. Because, I mean, if you, if you think about like watching it, you're like, well, that's a ground ball. That's a ground. One's not, neither is going to the outfield, right? Mm-hmm. But the minus 45 is never a hit. I mean, unless you're Billy Hamilton, right? <laughs> exactly. It's beaten to the ground so slowly, you know. That you, like so here you go. Speedster might get out. Average launch angle on the sinker. Uh, minimum, let's just send the minimum at 30 balls in play. Number one, Kyle Freeland, minus 10.6. Number two, Dallas Keuchel, minus 10.0. There you go. Number three, Brad Ziegler, Minus 6.9. Wait, so he's markedly better than Brad Ziegler, the guy known. For just chopping up worms. For just getting it buried into the ground. And also, yeah, and there's a big gap there. And then you have Zach Godley is there with Ziegler. Uh, Marcus Stroman, you know, super sinker Marcus Stroman is at minus 5.8. So, I, let me get a word uh, I, I guess I'm saying he's real. He's for real. Yeah, when, when, when we're done here with Keiko, I want to get a word on Godley because I couldn't get him in the list. But since you brought him up, I, I am interested. I, I'm with you. I think Keiko is real. He was a guy I wasn't buying in on because I was scared of the shoulder. And um, so that, that definitely scared me off more than it should have, obviously. So I got that one wrong for sure. He's been tremendous. I do believe in Keiko. Um, I would even, you know, I'd, I'd buy at market. I, I would pay the big price if I needed the pitching. I'm not afraid to. It's not, maybe not my first choice, but if I'm looking for trade partners and I'm like, well, the Keiko guy's selling because he has all these other guys, you know, because he got Keiko relatively late for getting an ace. Um, mm. I would be okay buying in on him. Let, let wait, you know, make sure the next good. Wait till he comes back, I guess. But uh, I don't have a lot of issue buying on on Dallas Keiko. 
quickly on Zach Godley. Velocity's up. He's always had a good swing strike rate that suggests maybe he could get some strikeouts. This year he's finally getting those strikeouts. Um, well, actually, no. He, his last start, it took it right back down. This is what happens when you talk about a guy Damn. with a couple one strikeout. starts. Yeah, he goes six, six, seven, and then one at San Diego. That said, I'm still looking at a 14% swinging strike rate, and I'm feeling confident about it because the other three starts have the strikeouts. Again, velocity up, ground ball rate through the roof. Are you buying in Zach Godley as somebody that you can roster in, in mixed leagues? Yeah, you know, one thing I'd like to see here, um, look at his 2016 season. Well, you know, he doesn't have a ton of wiggle in terms of side-to-side movement. He's a little bit over the top, um, you know, kind of a drop guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, none of his pitches have even average side-to-side movement. Um, so I don't think that he's going to have, like, that's something I would prognosticate that he wouldn't have a good ground ball rate. Like he does right now, and that might be from where he places it in the zone. Maybe he just, he throws low in the zone to get his ground balls, you know what I mean? Uh, as opposed to having like a super sinker with great movement that, that gets those. So, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's an interesting, it's kind of like, he has a little bit of a whiff of, of, um, you know, trick, like what happens if people see him more often, but it's not Josh Colmenter at the same time. You know what I mean? It's, uh, he has more pitches. Colmenter always was, had two pitches and couldn't really figure out a third. So, uh, in some ways I really like him. I mean, I, 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 I struggle to say that's the most negative I can be. I just, I was the most negative I can be just now. And now that we have minor leagues, uh, swinging strike rates, we can see that even last year when he came up, he had a good swinging strike rate. And it was the same as it was in the minor leagues. And then he's had, uh, ever since 2015, he's had good swing strike rates in the minor leagues. So, um, you know, I think you'll see his strikeout rate go up a little bit to meet his swing strike rate. Um, and that he's probably, I would say like a three, seven, five, one, two, five kind of guy. Uh, which I think in today's environment is kind of a league average. Um, fantasy starter, uh, which would make him, um, you know, somebody that I would slot in for the would you rather's around, um, maybe, uh, Wheeler, Andres, Morton. Okay. That, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good group, uh, for Godly to be around. I, I think, let me see. I'm going to say something that goes completely against my rankings here. Uh, yeah, I've got him right by Andres and Morton in that same group as them. I've got him a little bit lower. I think Morton and even Andres have a little bit more, uh, you know, have done a little bit more in the majors. Plus, Arizona's a little bit scary, so he's, he's a little bit below them. But I'm with you. I think that's where Godley is, somebody that you're spot starting in your shallower leagues. But but otherwise, I think 12-team and up, you're pretty much using him right now. 12-team's uh, kind of that fringe where you could maybe still spot him. But for sure beyond that, I think you just got to roll with Godley right Yeah, now. I mean, another thing about guys who don't have a lot of wiggle is there's a potential for home run rates. Uh, his home run rates have been decent but not amazing. Uh, and then he's in Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, I could see uh, his home run rate going up. And obviously a 224 batting average on balls in play is going to go up. So um, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of negative regression coming. But uh, right now he's showing a plus, plus, plus ground ball rate. I just want to see, you know, where that settles in. So I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay. Let's see here. 
covered, covered. Oh, last last one on the positive end here. Is Eduardo Rodriguez Boston's second best pitcher right now? Obviously pending a return from uh from what's his face? Um David Price. Chris Sale. Uh, basically this that? is who? Basically, this is Eduardo Rodriguez versus Rick. Porcello. You're not even gonna. You're not even gonna take the bait. That's all right. That's all right. Wait, what? You got it. No, what yeah, right. No, okay. What did I do? <laughs> what didn't I do? What did I miss? I want to hear the joke. I, 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 I said. I said. You said David Price. I said who? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so, okay. So like left-hander uh, for Boston. They they got him on free agency. Uh, he hasn't pitched all year. David Price. He's the. You, you'll you'll see. He's a young and up and comer. No, I'm kidding. He looks like he's been pitching pretty well in the minors. By the way, though, Price. Basically, this is Rodriguez versus Porcello right now, right? Because I'm saying, is he the second oh, best pitcher? Most I'm people would say taking, Porcello. No, I, I, I pushed it way beyond that. He's just below Wood for me. Okay. Um, we're yeah, seeing here. There's a whole confluence of positive things that that Rodriguez just did um, that I'm I'm happy about. Uh, he kept his velocity, which his velocity's been up and down. So just like Wood, he's got that sort of 93 for a lefty equals 94 situation going on. Um, uh, Craig Edwards just detailed today how he's improved his slider and, uh, he's been fiddling with that slider for a long time. And, you know, he's had this harder slider. And what, uh, what Edwards just said is that he's kind of separated and he has like, uh, he has a softer slider and a harder slider now. Uh, which I think is really good for him because he doesn't, he, he this is a guy you do, do not want to get predictable because he does not have plus command. You throw in, uh, the, the, the changeup, which was flagging early on and had me worried. It was one of the reasons I didn't take that stupid Alex Cobb trade. God, my blood pressure is rising today. Um, but uh, anyway, he he changed his arm slot a little bit. He added X movement. He added wiggle. He added horizontal movement to the package. And what's funny is when you change your arm slot, a lot of times the the movements relative to each other don't change a lot. You know what I mean? Like you can sink your arm out down and get sink, but then your fastball doesn't rise as much, right? Everything sinks more. So, you know, your whole package sinks more. It doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to be better. However, in his case, horizontal movement went up, like even relative to each other. So he's getting more horizontal movement. And so now he's got a changeup that has legitimate fade beyond his sinker. And he's got a slider that's just sweeping side to side. Such a like, like it's not Andrew Miller, but when it's good, it's Andrew Miller. You know what I mean? Like one of those. Those things that's that's that looks like it's a ball and then it's about to hit your back foot. It, it, the movement on it, like you said, when it's good for Eduardo Rodriguez, the slider is so stupid. It can be yeah. so so nasty, and that's why he's got a twenty eight percent strikeout rate, thirteen percent swinging strike rate. You mentioned a confluence a confluence of events here. There's so much working in Rodriguez's favor right now. It's hard not to be super excited, but it is forty nine in the third inning, so I don't want to, you know, go too far. So I guess the question is then, you, you mentioned up by Wood, which means you're trusting him all formats, rest of the year, you're trading for him, right? I mean, you, you're you're very pro-Eduardo, right? I am, I am. The, the asterisk here is that his health, is, in particular of his knee, Lower has down, kind of yep. has gone in, in and out. Um, there is a sort of a history of him not holding his block. Now we've seen you know good velocity for a while. 
I, I believe the projections have him going up above a four just because that's sort of league average right now. They don't have, I guess, a lot of data. Uh, I guess they, they, they want to regress. 15, 16 there. That, that's yeah, they want to regress his strikeout. Like, because he didn't have a great strikeout rate the first year he came up. He didn't really have that hard slider at all uh, the first year he came up. And because he hasn't shown the superlative strikeout rate, they're regressing his strikeout rate uh, pretty hardcore. They're giving him more home runs, which maybe that happens. You know, his batting average on balls and play is 263, but last year it was 278. Before that, it was 289. He's run some really nice numbers in the minor leagues where you have terrible defenders, and a lot of times your BABIPs are higher. So, uh, you know, his Sierra is 371, FIP 334. I could see him being this, like, 3-6 type pitcher. Um, and I think Boston's going to turn it around. So, you know, I, I see him, you know, he's 3-1 and one right now. I, I could see him, you know, maybe even making a run at like sort of 14, 15 wins. And so buying him right now might win you, you know, might get you 10 wins, um, and a bunch of strikeouts. So, I like you know, it. it's, it's something I, I, I'd, I'd look into. Eduardo Rodriguez, definitely someone you got to start pretty much everywhere right now. I can't really even think of too many scenarios where you're not. He's been fantastic. So, uh, we're definitely positive on Eduardo Rodriguez. Let's move over to some of the guys that we are a bit more down on right now. Uh, let's start with Kenta Maeda, who seems to like go on the disabled list after every good start he has because they like to manipulate the DL there in LA. But the the weird thing about this is the skills are amazing. 25% strikeout rate matches last year. Five and a half walk rate is, is better than his 7% last year. 15% swinging strike rate. That's fantastic. Even the 240 average against isn't the end of the world. But 1.8 homers per nine muddies up all of it. 66% left on base rate. Those two kind of go hand in hand with the left on base rate and the homers. Uh, it muddies all of it up. And his ERA is 503 with those skills. 503 ERA, 117 whip. Which of these is not like the other? Um, you're down on him though. And is it, is it the health? Is it something else? Like these skills might say buy because the ERA has to go down. Or do you see something in Kenta Maeda's work that, that suggests the home runs aren't necessarily going to regress favorably? Bad fastball. Bad fastball. Your favorite type of guy though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hard, I mean, that's why he's, fastballs. I'm not like dropping him. Like I, and I might Just even buy him it. if it, you know, if it wasn't, um, Super, you know, the, the price wasn't super high, but you know, in terms of like, you know, cherry picking projection system type stuff, I would probably regress him to like a 1.2 homers per nine or 1.25. Like I don't see him kind of, I, I would take the over on his projected home run rates going forward just because he's now for some reason gone to the four seamer more than the sinker. And he's even created this cutter that he just broke out in the last start. Maybe the cutter is his way out, but in either case, like it's still, it still would just be masking the fact that his four seam is not that good. Mm-hmm. And his four seam does have ride, but it's just at 90, at 91 from the right side, uh, it's just not really impressive. And it's really, you know, in terms of results on pitches this year, it's the pitch that they're hitting for home runs. So I, I, you know, I wrote a pitch recently, a piece recently about how maybe people should be rethinking their, their pitching mixes and be more aggressive in terms of, uh, throwing fewer fastballs. And he's a guy that I, I could see him, you know, throw that cutter, uh, you know, throw the four seam, drop that in half. 
half. Throw it 15% of the time. Throw the two-seamer 10% of the time. Throw the cutter 5% of the time. And then throw those breaking balls the rest Slider of the time. Slider curve, change up, and just yeah. I think people would, like, then the four-seamer comes out of nowhere, you know? And he actually, I think he has plus slider control. Like, I, I think when you watch him, you're like, that's, he can put that slider in a lot of places. It's so, a good slider. He can, he can, uh, shorten up the bend a little bit. He can, he can make it yeah. a little bit harder break. I, I agree with you on Kentamaeda. His slider is really impressive. That's why he uses it so much. Turn it up a little bit. Yeah, thir- 29%. Turn it up to 35%. Amplify that curveball. Amplify the changeup. Uh, that's a great piece, by the way, that everyone should read. If I forget, I'm going to say I'm going to put it in the show notes, but sometimes I forget that. If I don't, go to Kenta Maeda's page. The first article, um, you know, under his little bio. Oh yeah, there because because is, Maeda showed up and like, yeah, you yeah. linked him in it, so you can find it there, folks, in Maeda's profile. If I forget to, I am trying to make a mental note to do that though. Um, Kenta Maeda or Sean Manaya. See where I have my. Other. Mm, I'm above Shamanaya. Actually, I only right now three above. So that was a three really slots. good one. Okay. Yeah. Hey, look at me, I'm a genius. <laughs> Modest too. There's two things about me that people uh, should know. Handsome. Um, Modest, you know, handsome genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I think actually sort of impressed me. I mean, I I know. That I've talked about how I want him to get the slider hard and he hasn't done it. I talked to him recently and he's like, I'm just going to embrace it, man. This is, that's what it is. It's, I can't get it. I'm not going to throw an 85, 88 mile an hour slider. I just can't do it. And Did you call him a, a punk bitch for not being able to? <laughs> no, because I guess you're a loser. he's got Bye. a great swinging strike rate. He's got a great strikeout rate. Um, and he's not giving up homers. I think that the walks will come down. I bet you the walks were a little bit related to the issues he's having. With the, with uh, the health? Of, yes. I, I, by the way, 524 ERA, and yet I'm with you in terms of I'm actually, I've actually been impressed by Manaya. And yeah. another one where it's 524 ERA, 119 whip. You see a whip that low with an ERA that, that high. Used you, be, that used to be how I did fantasy. You just, you I used know. to be like, look at his whip. Yeah. Well, I, I think it still works. Now the one wrinkle is home runs, but he's not giving up home runs. Manaya right. isn't. So that tells me like, there's some fixable issues here to get that ERA back down to where it belongs. 54% left on base rate. Can you strand a runner, dude? Just try right. it. It's cool, man. So he, here's what happens. You let a hit up or you give a walk and then they you just stay on that base. It's <laughs> so cool, dude. And then you get. And he doesn't three. have a history of, I mean, he's had some wrinkles with, with walk rates, but you know, if you, Not if you take out crazy. the. Yeah, no, actually, those are, a lot of those are small sample, like a, you know, little stops here and there. If you actually look at the big sample, uh, places he stayed, you have to go back to rookie ball to get anything that's close to a four, uh, in terms of walk rates. So, you know, last year with the athletics, 2.3 walks per nine in 144 innings. That's so. Really good. It's yeah. really, really good. So yeah. And I'm, that's more in line with what he did in the minors. So I, I, I'm, I would buy, I would buy him, even though I have Maeda ahead of him, I would buy him a little bit more. And that's, that's comes from my bias towards keeper leagues. I'd rather have Manaya in a keeper league than Maeda. Four years younger. Obviously yeah. more upside. I agree. And doesn't have this like partially torn UCL situation that 
caused the need for that weird Maeda contract. Cannot forget about that, right? We're dealing with some injury issues this year. One of the things that was uncovered about, or not uncovered, but kind of written about with Maeda in terms of, hey, he was good last year, but keep in mind, the dude never went deep into games. Like, we cannot forget that his medicals were so jacked that he got an eight-year, $25 million deal. Like, mm-hmm. Shohei Otani would get 25 mil a year if it was wide open, uh, in, in terms of, in terms of what he could sign for. So, that has to be kept in mind re- regarding Maeda, and I'm with you there. I'm with you all the way. I have Maeda a little bit higher. I would actually probably buy Manaya first. You know, six, the six rank difference is nothing for me, 39 to 45. That's nothing. They're in the same tier. I think I would, I would favor Manaya. Plus, Maeda wasn't on the DL with the hamstring when I, uh, when I slotted his ranking. So, Manaya is somebody I think y'all should consider buying. 524 ERA. I know a lot of people that listen to our show don't play in leagues with a bunch of idiots. So, you're not going to just slide them through for, for nothing. People are going to see the whip, the strikeout rate. They're going to understand that it's a good pitcher. But I don't think you have to pay full market value either. I think you can get something of a discount on Manaya, and I'd be certainly interested in buying. But we got to move on to some of these other guys that we're, uh, we're negative on right now. Flat out going to ask, is Matt Harvey done as a, you know, impact starter? What I, what I, I know it's a vague term, but I think we have a general idea of what that is, you know, in, in all formats, mixed league sort of guy. Is he just done? He's 28 years old. Velocity is down a little, but the strikeout rates tanked, walk rates soared, home run rate through the roof. Where's the positivity with Matt Harvey? He's still, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to um, give him credit he doesn't deserve, but he still has four pitches, you know, and. Those four pitches aren't very far away from what they used to be in terms of velocity and movement. So okay. I think here the missing asterisk again is command, which I don't think he ever really had. So um, you know that's that's a that's a thing. So I think that. like a minor difference in uh, velocity and stuff that doesn't really seem like such a big deal um, on the outside looks is a bigger deal for him because he never had great command and his reaction to not having great command is to kind of throw it in the zone. Um, You know, he's had in the past and even this year is not that bad. He's had good first strike rates. And he's thrown the ball in the zone more often than average. Um, this is Matt Harvey, by the way. Matt Harvey, yeah. Matt Harvey throws the ball in the zone more more than average. And in the past, it's worked because he's had superlative stuff. And so you're stuck with the either take the ball for a strike, uh, which is why his walk rates were really low, or swing at it and you know miss it, which is why his strikeouts rates were high. So Nobody's, it worked for him. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say nobody's no swinging missing. out of the zone. Either. Yeah, nobody's swimming out of the zone. Uh, you know, nobody's missing in the zone. Mm-hmm. So that says to me that bad command just got worse. Now, the only thing to be excited about is that the velocity isn't very different and that he's coming off a of surgery that was supposed to correct 
a, a problem with command. I mean, in terms of it, he couldn't feel the ball. He couldn't feel his fingertips. It's a, that's, that's a part of the, you know, the thoracic outlet syndrome. It's a, you know, it's about, um, you know, crowding nerves and stuff like that. So the surgery that he had was supposed to correct that. So far, um, so, so bad. And, and well, people said that he wouldn't hit his, his, Old velocity until, like his pitching coach said, he wouldn't hit his old velocity till you know end of May, beginning of June, and he and his velocity has gotten better um, in the in the most recent times. And if that's true, that he won't that he won't hit his velocity and his peak velocity. I mean, he he had a, a the start against in Arizona, he averaged ninety six on the four seam, okay. um, and this is after having a few starts early on ninety four, even a ninety one uh, in Atlanta. Of course, there are hot gun issues where there are issues with the, the stuff, but in general, his velocity has climbed. So I would say that, you know, there's, if you're, the reason I'm keeping him in the sort of top 70 and he's not just a drop for me is A, the track record of supreme excellence, you know, not too long ago, and B, the surgery that seems relevant to the issues he's having. So. Yeah, the thoracic outlet for Harvey. That the thoracic outlet was why I was not really drafting him, kind of taking a wait and see because I just wanted. To, I don't think it has a great track record uh, just yet, especially year one for thoracic outlet. So it was a full wait and see for me with Matt Harvey. Okay, you've given some encouraging factors to not just completely. But I think those are more encouraging in like dynasty. It's, a, it's again my dynasty keeper bias. I think in terms of this year, he may battle through it all. Maybe end up with you know there there's a maybe like a twenty percent chance that you know the Mets rally, Yo comes back, uh, Thor comes back, and then Harvey sort of figures it out, and they you know have like one of those impressive second half surges that brings in the wild card. All that still in there and I think Harvey could be a part of that but you know in the bigger there's probably maybe a bordering on a 40 to 50% chance that he's never what he was before um and that he is done donezo done done and then uh there's a 30% chance that he recovers but not this year got some names for you mm-hmm. Matt Harvey or Jordan Montgomery Jordan Montgomery, young guy out in New York, uh, on the other New York team that we've been saying some positive things about. Really impressive stuff. Just the, just the stuff. He only throws 92, which isn't crazy, but that's from the left side. So again, you're talking 93, 94-ish, uh, comparable from left, when you compare left to right. 13% swinging strike rate, a little bit of, you know, some walks, but not but, and expected then, for a young buck. I, a I recent know. adjustment that was really nice in, a, in a, his most recent outing, he threw a lot more sliders than he had before. And he threw his four seam high in the zone and the slider low in the zone and just had a really nice start. Big bounce based, back against KC after they'd yeah. wallop. I mean, KC's bit. not a great, not a great, uh, offensive team. No, but they so, popped him. So I like that yeah. he bounced back with a big outing. And I have Matt Harvey, after all those me trying to be nice to him, I have a Harvey right now in my working rankings at 71. I'm 77. Yeah. And Jordan Montgomery to me is, is ownable, is a pickup, is a, is a 12 team guy. I have him on my 10 team league. So if I have him on my 10 team league where I own like six pitchers, that means he's in the 60s. So even though it makes me feel really gross, actually, to say this. 
Jordan Montgomery. I would Jordan Montgomery. I got Jordan Montgomery higher, so I'm with you. Um, with and, and you talk about having him in 12 team for sure, but then with all the health issues of 10 teamers, I think Jordan Montgomery is going to be on a lot of 10 team leagues, and he should be. This is this is a profile. Like I said, I have really him current. on my 10 team league. Yeah, <laughs> I have a I have a 10 team league this year. I don't think it's out of bounds for you for you to have him there uh, at all. So we we like Jordan Montgomery. We're we're cool on Matt Harvey. We'll continue to talk about him though as. As things change, obviously this is someone who could change rapidly, and, and we'll revisit when necessary. But for now, I think you just got to kind of, think you got to kind of sit tight too. If you, you know, maybe shower leagues or doing something else, but oh. fifteen team and beyond, you just got to kind of hold Matt Harvey, right? You I don't have him. I don't have him on a ten team league anymore. I picked up Alex Wood for him. Oh, why'd you do that? Alex Wood sucks. I'm kidding. He's amazing. Although here's a here's a thing. Danny Salazar is on that team. I gotta keep Salazar. I mean, he's not all the way down do. to sixty, is he? No, you you do have to keep him. You're right. Um, I, but I am at I'm at fifty, which is uh, I'm in a spot start tier right now. I don't think I blindly start him everywhere personally. Like we, at least home mask some of his home run issues. Uh, you know, starting him in Cleveland, mm-hmm. I have not been. I have been sort of uh, shying away from starting him every time. And it's uh, it's very difficult. The, the problem is with a with a home run guy like that, with, with someone like Danny Salazar, it's not obvious when to, when to not start him. Um, in fact, he's on the list too, so let's just go to him. He actually, oh shoot, dude, he actually just allowed nine homers while we've been recording. No, he's not even pitching, but he's allowed nine homers. They were all it was a simulated game and. Abraham Almonte hit nine straight homers off of him. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit of Danny Salazar because it's been a guy I've been a big, big fan of in the past. Still has a 33% strikeout rate. That's really intriguing, folks. I think that's MLB high or very close to 16% swinging strike rate, but two. He's the new Michael Pineda. Point, oh, dude. Even worse though, because he doesn't, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he has a walk walks guys. Yeah, he walks guys. 2.1 homers, Jesus. 11% walk. What the hell do you do with him, though? You said you've been spotting him. Well, I mean, what, it's what? the stuff is so filthy. In fact, it, I told somebody that he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch because the stuff is so filthy. I agree. I love Danny Salazar, and he's probably one of my least favorite pitchers to watch because he's killing. Yeah, five fifty-five yeah. ERA, one fifty-three WHIP. I mean, it's rough. Like you can blame some, you know, say, oh, 362 Babbitt, that'll come down. But when everything else sucks, I don't just look at the Babbitt and say, oh, he's been unlucky. He's doing this. Like this is, this is Salazar struggling. He's always had command issues, pipe shots all day long. Whenever he gets in trouble, he just, oh, throw it as hard as I can right down the middle. Oh wait, you hit it 420. Damn it. Yeah. You did it. You got me again. Well, I see that his ground ball rates are down. Um, and, most of his pitch locations are up. His average pitch locations are up. What's with the pitch mix here? He's basically gone to, to four-seam change. 32% change-up rate is is career high by far. His slider's at 6%, as is his curveball. Is it a pitch mix issue right now, too? I don't know. And the curveball is decent for him. Uh, the curveball, though, actually is like a, is a high for him. It's a, it's a slider he's not he's not into right now uh, that he used to he used to throw. Um you know, but in terms of, you know, results, the slider has been beaten up, uh, recently. Actually, for his career, the slider has, uh, an ISO over 200 against. That's terrible. 
Yeah, and the the curve the curve has been good, so I think you know maybe he's just in the he's just uh, slowly moving towards the curve, and that that could maybe be helpful or hopeful for him is this idea that like maybe uh, let me let me switch it by game and see if the the curve is sneaking up while the oh man he's pitched too long let me just look this here see if the curve is sneaking up a little bit well you know this the, the he he actually pocketed the slider completely early on in the season, and it's come back. It should go away. I think that's. <laughs> what that are you doing would... here, slider? Nobody yeah. invited you. <laughs> yeah. oh. Throw that curve more. It's a little bit. I guess it's a little bit like Gossman, you know. That cool. You know, guy. it's like two. Your transitions Gossman are had... brilliant today, by the way, because he's obviously on on this list of guys <laughs> that we're down on as well. Why is he so bad? Let's let's bring him into the fold as well. Well, he went so yeah. So both of them are kind of searching for a breaking ball that work will work for them. Mm-hmm. And, and and Sal's are definitely looking for curveball or for breaking balls. And I don't know why uh, Gosman has gone away from the curveball um, and and back to the slider because the slider's bad. No, and Salazar. No, both of them. Oh, okay. Uh, Gosman has. Oh yeah, he's he's incorporated in this curveball as well. Well. Here's the thing though with this year. They, 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 yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful with Gossman and both of them a little bit about, uh, what, where you, where you're looking, uh, in terms of, um. Pitch mix? Yeah, because, uh, I think, uh, last year they were calling, it was an 80 mile an hour pitch, which makes me say it's a curveball. So if you look for Kevin Gossman, if you look at what, what, throw, what he was throwing last year, he was throwing a curveball that went 80 miles an hour. And that was hopeful for me because 80 is pretty good for a curveball. It didn't get hit for a home run last year, I don't think at all. Uh, and then he shelved it and started throwing the slider this year, which, uh, yeah, it does go harder, uh, 84, which makes me think that's a different pitch than his curveball, but it gets whooped. It is not, is not a good pitch. It is not a good pitch. It's even for his career, but let's just look at this year. The slider has been a home run. More than well, the split finger has somehow been a home run a lot. Why are they hitting the split finger? He's hanging wow, like Tanaka still has does. Twenty four percent whiff on the on the split finger, but he's giving up homers on it. So it's inconsistency. When he misses, it's it's tattooed. When he when he hits, it's it the bottom falls out. You know, it's a trap door. As um, but I don't think that's the I don't think that's that's weird because I don't think that's Danny Salazar's problem. You know. Well, Danny Salazar, the beauty, the, not the, beauty, the, the, the major difference between them, the, the one positive that Salazar is offering is at least those strikeouts. There's no yeah. redeemable factor for Gosman right now. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, sometimes when I'm stymied by something like this, I can't find the magic bullet. I, I just I go take back a to the magic bullet and shoot myself. <laughs> the strikeout minus walk. Uh, totals of the past and just be like, okay. But, you know, look at, uh, at Salazar. No home runs on the curveball this year and equal amount of sliders and a lot of home runs on the slider. But he's also giving up home runs on the sinker. So that's why I think he's using the sinker less. Pitchers are definitely like this where they'll see certain results on pitches. And I think Danny Salazar really shouldn't throw a sinker because the sinker, it gets okay whiffs, but it, it has a 33% ground ball rate. So it's not doing what he wants it to do. So I think he should be forcing change at curve. And he should throw the curve. He should bump that percentage on the curve higher. He should stop using that slider, which gets, uh, you know, average whiffs, but get, he gives up a lot of homers. And, uh, and I think he would, he'd get better results out of that. So I don't know. 
I, I would at least not use that sinker very much anymore. And I think that he's a he's a he's a smaller tweak away from from being uh, good. I agree there. Uh, between Gosman, uh, let me give you some names with with him because Salazar, I think we're we're way higher on than Gosman between the two. But Gosman or you know what? Let's bring another guy into the fold. Another one that we're we're upset with right now, Matt Moore. A lot of excitement coming around Matt Moore. Hey, he's going to have a full season in San Francisco. He's finally going to break through. I was definitely in on that train. And no. 528 ERA, 153 whip. Strikeouts are down. Walks are up. Swinging strike rate is at a three-year low. Home runs are through the roof. Uh, left on base rate has cratered. Babip's up. You know, it's all sideways for Matt Moore. Who do you prefer between those two? And then, and then talk a bit about what Matt Moore, uh, has shown you this year or hasn't, as it were. Well, I think he went too far into the into the the cutter thing. I think he wanted to do the cutter in order to maybe pitch to contact and keep his walks down, um, and he fell in love with it. And I don't think it's been that useful for him because it, it has the, the worst whiff rates. And yes, maybe a slightly better command, but if you're giving up the worst home runs and the worst, you know, one of the worst babips of your career, then what are you doing anyway? You should go back and try to get those strikeouts back. So I would, you know, for him, I would throw more breaking stuff. I would throw the curveball more often, throw the change more often, um, and, and try to go for whiffs a little bit more than, than that soft contact. Um, I think that uh, there's enough positive regression in the homer and the BABIP that I would take him over over Kevin Gossman just because, you know, their strikeout minus walk totals, neither one of them is, is going to call that a, a you know, a, uh, a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then Kevin Gossman has, you know, terrible ass Baltimore, uh, summer coming. And the ALB itself. Yeah. Whereas you got Matt Moore Which, in San Francisco, San Diego, LA, Arizona yeah. and Colorado too, sure, but you, you can easily avoid those. You can't really avoid. I think them. neither one of them, like, you, you, according to your tiers that you have those, you know, spot start, but you know, neither one of them is an every starter. No, they're both uh, starters for me right now. Right, so if there's spot start, it's way easier to figure out when to spot start, you know, more. Even if he might burn you in the did you did you start him game. Yeah. Uh, I do want to check that did you start him game. Let me see. Uh, at LA Dodgers, nine runs. Uh, I could see almost sitting him there. I could see almost except the Dodgers are good. Except that he dominated the Dodgers to start before. So That's you're, right. You're, so you probably would have started him. <laughs> I think you took that at one. Colorado. Take that one right out. Yep. Six six runs. Nobody. You don't. You don't start anybody at Colorado. Really. Especially that guy. Like that. He's not nowhere yeah. near the level of, of starting. Even the home opener or his season opener. You might not have started him against Arizona. Although only three of those six were earned. Um, Still, if you take a one, if you take one uh, outing with six runs off of it, then he's been below three runs. He's been below three runs and over five innings uh, for all of his starts except for three. So you know he's he's not you know Colorado did this to Samarja too, where Samarja was better than his numbers and Colorado made him look worse. So I'll definitely take more. We're still in the in the range where one start can really put that. Big dent on your ERA. That's why you have to check game logs. You really have to check game logs all year long, but especially early on, don't get fooled by an ERA or even a WHIP. You know they can have that that 13 base runner outing where it's like, damn, you know, you have 13 base runners in five innings, and that's really uh, influencing things. So, uh, okay, good call, Matt Moore. I'm with you, Matt Moore over Gosman right now. Um, actually, I have them almost directly next to each other. 
uh, that was coming, uh, Gosman coming off of the damn Washington start, which of course tricked everybody. Late sixties, uh, I think. They're pretty much the, the, the same guy here, uh, but, but more with the more favorable soft factors. All right. Last guy here. Is Masahiro Tanaka hurt or bad? <laughs> and do you know any dipshits that picked him as their AL Cy Young? Cause I don't. <laughs> I don't Dip bleeps. Um, I don't know. I mean, he is hurt. <laughs> we know well, that. We, we do know that. Yeah, yeah. I guess more. Like, is it something? <laughs> like, is it is it more torn? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, you know, I think you would probably see if it was legitimate like that. You'd probably see a velocity dip instead of a velocity increase. Mm-hmm. Although there have been guys in the past that have had the sort of loosening up right right before you get right before you, you go under the knife where you know you're like oh you know where did this extra velo come from uh there is there has been some stuff in the past about uh velo increases right before uh stuff like that but i'm not well you know what we have uh let's go back to that we haven't done this one in a while okay baseballheatmaps.com Woo-hoo! who runs that site uh, Mr. Zimmerman. I know. And we're going to pitcher injury factors applications. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, this is another exciting, uh, let's Google this together episode. I like it. Uh, and we're gonna do Tanaka, we're gonna go back to, uh, August of last year so we can, we have a baseline from last year. So you have a start date, August 1. And we're gonna do the end date, uh, yesterday. Boom. Okay, so now. What? Um, oh, broken. What's his, what would you say his most, uh, his most often pitch type is? Splitter. It's the sinker. Okay. Oh, does the sinker more. And, uh, no! It must be broken. Let me, let me try sinker. You poop head. Yeah, it's not broke. It's not working, I guess. Um, well, anyway. Yeah, so I will alert him to that. Yeah, let Jeff know. Let Jeff know. Uh, what let's, you, let's, uh, let's let, let people this. know what you were looking for. Well, that looks like, uh, what, what, uh, what you find on baseball heat maps is that a decline in zone percentage which is something we can just look for uh, on our own. Uh, decline in zone percentage, and then uh, one thing that's hard to do here, late game consistency in your release point. So velocity, zone percentage, and late game consistency in your release point, those three things together have been shown to be, uh, to show, um, to predict injury a little bit. So zone percentage, career high, or normal. Velocity, career high. This is the that we're talking about, by the way. It yeah. has been a while since we mentioned his name. Uh, so I doubt he's more injured. Okay. So now let's more look. Sucky. Yeah. Now let's look at his outcomes on pitches. His everything is getting hit. Whoa. So that's the thing too. It's like that's crazy. When you, when you look at a lot of factors, he's actually not more sucky. Like the plate discipline stuff that you were just looking at. But then the results are markedly worse. Home runs have always been a bit of an issue for Tanaka, usually solo shots off of hanging splitters. But um, as you mentioned, everything's getting clubbed right now. Is there is there 
His pitch mix, like, it is not changed. Uh, the velocity on his pitches is about the same. The sinker's uh, the, the nightmare right now, right? The, 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 the overarching nightmare over everything else? Well, the, here's the thing though, uh, into, if you convert, uh, his home runs into home run percentages of pitches thrown, uh, 2% on the four seam, 2.2% on the sinker, 1.2 on the slider, 2.6 on the cutter, 2.3 on the splitter. Hmm. So yes, he's given up more homers on the, on the sinker because he's thrown the most sinkers. Mm-hmm. But in terms of per pitch, they're all being whooped right now. Jeez, I don't. It's very strange. So what do you think I mean, going on? You know, given that not not nothing, you know, not so much has changed, and he's actually showing the one, you know, one of the better swing strike rates of his career, and he I never was a, an amazing strikeout rate guy. Um, I. I consider him a buy. I've been trying to buy him. I don't, I don't know that I have like, I would rather have like this, this, this great nugget where I'm like, you know, Here's he just why. did this or yeah. this is why. But I, I just think that in fact, the golden nugget is that there is no why that, that there is no drop in velocity. There mm-hmm. is no change in, in stuff. There's there no is no drastic batted ball profile or plate discipline profile changes. It, it's, no. It's all the same as the guy who put up a 307 ERA in 200 innings last year. And even if that was lucky in sort of the Sonny Gray situation, um, well, it's a 360. I'd still take 360 all day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, so, the the, the RotoWire news that we have on his profile profile says Tanaka has quote unquote no indicators of health issues, and General Manager Brian Cashman said the team doesn't believe there's reason to give him any tests. So they're just gonna make him work through this. Yeah, it's he's just not placing the ball exactly where he wanted, and um, but he's you know. I didn't see that Travis Sawchuk Shaw- just yeah, wrote I mean, on this. Are you, yeah, I, re- I read take- it. Okay. No, I read it, and you know he does point out that um, that Tanaka has placed the ball in less ideal situations this year, um, but you know some you know, a few more down the middle, uh, like especially his two seamer. He is not. Um, He's not gotten it where he wants it. He wants to have it low or he wants to, you know, kind of backdoor it on the outside. And, uh, uh, you know, he wants it inside or he wants it outside and he's got too many down the middle. So too, too many down the middle. It's a, it's a Danny Salazar problem, but he's not a Danny Salazar. You he know, he can't miss the bats and, and make the mistakes. Well, right. he also hasn't done it in the past. So I feel like, I feel like he'll make a tweak and, and maybe stay on the rubber. You know, a different place and move his heat map around a little bit. So I you think, think Tanaka's it. just gonna work through this and you would advocate buying all formats, deeper formats? Where, where are you at on the buy with Tanaka? I mean, there's so many people looking for pitching, especially if you're like, you're having a hard time finding healthy pitching. This is what you need to do. You need to take a shot on something like this. At least this is a buy low. Looks healthy. Yeah, this I think he's a buy is a buy low where you go I, and you get. The I'm major still moving discount. him down in the rankings. No doubt. You know, no doubt. So there's no reason to keep him that high. I, I would, I would say, you know, but like, let's say someone's trying to sell Danny Duffy, uh, you know, because they're worried about a strikeout rate. First of all, you know, the the strikeouts are up a little bit recently, um, and then second of all, Danny Duffy's going to cost more, right? 
Exactly. And Especially on the on the heels of his last three starts, where it's six strikeouts, ten strikeouts, seven. As you mentioned, the strikeouts are up. Three straight seven inning outings. Anyone looking to sell Danny Duffy is trying to sell very high right now because he's on he's he's running hot. Yeah, and if and like so, I might move Tanaka down, you know, around Wood, um, and you could maybe uh, try to pry Wood free. But again, the guy who got Wood is like, I need pitching just like you, dude. Exactly, and that's found <laughs> money. Nobody, and he's not a lot of people so who are flush good. with pitching right now. So, so what about so this? He's going to cost. So, so he's going to drop down. So, you know, the buy lows that I see where he's ranked are kind of Jeff Samarja, Marcus Stroman, uh, Jameson Tyon, uh, and uh, maybe Aaron Nola. You know, the, yes, in some ways, I'd rather have Aaron Nola. And Marcus Stroman, but they might be they might cost more. And then Nola and Tyon have their injury issues. So yeah, what's the latest on Tyon um, fighting through the? Well, it's interesting sort of politics of of the updates. So I saw one update said Jameson Tyon groin, and I said, well, groin. I mean, sort of. Then there was I guess. the world says Jameson Tyon cancer, uh, so which is. Also kind of weird to see. So uh, yeah, anyway, really he's throwing, he's throwing though. So you know, then then you have this politics of of trade politics where the other guys like I've you know I've I've been coaching this guy. I've been waiting on this guy, especially with Aaron Nola. I've been waiting on this guy, and he's finally coming back. And now you show up and you want him. Exactly. Like, so when you wait it out. Yes. Tanaka and Samarja, I think, are very are, are both bilo guys. Have their issues. May not be amazing going forward. Tanaka has had a better track record recently. And you're actually going to get a low price though. If Samarja has a better reason for believing, right? Yes. A tweak, a change, new pitching mix, better strikeout minus walk rate. So maybe I put Samarja up a little bit ahead. But in terms of it's ceiling, cost a lot more though too. In terms of ceiling, I might put Tanaka up. You know, Tanaka's ceiling has been has been demonstrated to be better than than uh, than Samarja. than the Sharks. No, I, I I agree there. I do think those are actually legitimate buy low guys that you can actually get a real discount on. Um, especially Tanaka. If you're looking to take a shot, that's where that that's you get some ugliness. Maybe you're looking to sell Danny Duffy, and you go to the Tanaka guy and say, "Give me Tanaka and something else." You can get a second usable piece, like a, a pretty useful bat, and say, "Okay, the bat's what you're focused on." You say, "Let me get Tanaka as well, and then I'll throw you two, back two this other whatever. hitter." Exactly. You do two for two. You don't do two for one. That is the Eno way of trading that we have adopted here on the Super and the Bust. Fully agree with it. You got to do two for two. You don't want to look like because two for ones just smell. They smell. See you coming a mile away. Yep. They completely smell. Anyway, you know, that's going to wrap us up. Thanks for listening.